the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. They're still fighting. Yeah, the last we heard, the Democrats and the Republicans were still fighting over the stimulus package. The Democrats were apparently taking their never-let-a-crisis-go-to-waste approach, and they're trying to pack the stimulus bill with laws about really important things right now, like reducing the carbon footprint of jet planes and getting subsidized, uh, subsidies, I should say, for uh, solar panels and windmills. That's what we need to work on right now. Get that out of the way. And you know what I'm getting uh, out of all this after watching this for the last, well, last couple of weeks, I guess, but more actually it might be years. But anyway, it's time to clean house. Uh, I'm tired of looking at Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. That goes without saying. Uh, but I'm also tired of looking at Mitch McConnell. Uh, th- these people have been there too long. We don't have term limits. That's beginning to look more and more uh, like the founder's big mistake, not having them. Uh, it'll take a movement. And the, the time may be right because, uh, you know, Donald Trump was elected because lots of people who apparently uh, had developed an anybody-but-them mentality about people in Washington voted for him. He was not a politician, and he won. And he had no experience whatsoever in government, and he won. Not mayor, president of the United States. Now, it would be nice if enough people in both parties uh, came to an agreement that everybody's got to go. Everybody. Just, you know, uh, all 435 plus 50, or plus 100 senators, 535 people, get them out. Just all leave, and we'll just try somebody new. Now, the media would need to get behind it. Liberal and conservative media, of course. Uh, and you couldn't take sides. So, you know, you'd have to get rid of some people you like on both sides. And people who've been there too long should be harassed by the media into admitting that it's time to move on. Hey, has anybody ever said to Mitch McConnell or, or Nancy Pelosi, hey, you guys ever think about the fact that maybe you've been there too long? You know, <laughs> you've been there for, for all my life. I'm 40 years old, and every time I turn the TV on, I got to look at Nancy Pelosi. I mean, I, I I was around before they were, but there are people actually walking around on the street, like my producer Aaron, right through the window here, who's 30 years old. She's never seen anybody but Nancy Pelosi's. Uh, I was going to say something, but Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. Just get them out of here, all of them. Anyway, that's uh, that would be nice, and it would be nice if the if the media would, you know. Go along with it. How about 16 years? Is that enough? How about we start a movement to start pressuring every senator or congressman who's been in D.C. longer than 16 years to make this their last term? Just get out. I mean, I want to see somebody ask, uh, please, somebody uh, get the, get a hold of a, somebody in the Washington media to just ask one of these people who we've been looking at for all these years, hey, hey, Mitch. Have you ever thought, you know, that you've done this long enough? How many years have you been in the Senate, Mitch? Forty? I don't know what it is for him. Nancy Pelosi's been in Congress for a ridiculous amount of time. Just ask him, hey, have you ever thought maybe giving somebody else a chance? Just have you ever thought of it? Uh, you want a perfect example of a guy who's been around too long? How about Joe Biden? He's been around for 40 years, and he's been wrong for 40 years about everything. Now, he's been hiding... This is a guy who's, who's running for president. He's been hiding during this pandemic fiasco, but he came out of hiding. I don't know what he was live streaming something, and uh, he's standing in front of the teleprompter, and the teleprompter died in the middle of it, and uh, this is what Joe said. I'm glad the president has finally activated the National Guard. Now we need the armed forces and the National Guard to help with hospital capacity, supplies, and logistics. We need to activate the Reserve Corps of doctors and nurses and beef up the number of responders dealing with the crush, these crush of cases. And, uh, and in addition to that, uh, in addition to that, we have to uh, make sure that we, uh, we are in a position that 
we are well let me let me go to the second thing i've spoken up on that the president must use the defense production act yeah let me go to the second thing because the teleprompter stopped <laughs> and i have to just go on to the next item <clears throat> that's joe biden let's elect him president Anyway, when we come back, we're going to hear from an expert from the Heritage Foundation on what's right and what's wrong about the idiots in Washington, uh, what, they're, what it is that they're fighting over. Stick around for that. No, spring cleaning doesn't just mean the deep clean you do around the house once a year. You may want to do some tidying up for your business's digital marketing, and Salem Surround can help. Whether you're just getting started in the world of digital marketing or already have a plan that's not getting results, we give you all the right tools to surround your target audience and turn website visitors into website leads. Salem Surround provides your business with all your marketing needs under one roof. And face it, in 2020, if you're not effectively using digital media, you're behind the competition and losing sales. Salem Surround will help identify any weak points in your marketing strategy and consult with you to bring solutions that will meet your needs and exceed your expectations. Total market saturation for increased return on investment. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and to learn how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Good morning, America. Or is it? If you're one of the millions of Americans who did not sleep well last night, it's probably a pretty average morning. But listen up, you sleep-deprived people. There's good news. A breakthrough sleep solution called Pronto Sleep. And when we say pronto, we mean pronto. Pronto Sleep gently opens your nose to focus breathing and help you relax and fall asleep. And the built-in scent diffuser delivers a blend of four pure essential oils to help you stay asleep naturally. And then Pronto replenishes the oils ready for the next night. Too easy, eh? And in trials, 84% of people with trouble sleeping found Pronto helped them fall asleep and 74% found it helped them stay asleep. So make every morning a... Good morning, America. With Pronto Sleep, available now at select Walgreens, Amazon, or at prontosleep.com. Pronto Sleep from RhinoMed, bringing you advanced nasal therapies. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions are posted at textrules.us. Texting and roles for recurring automated marketing text messages. Message and data rates may apply. Hi, I'm Tom from Kane 11 and I have one question for you. What size socks are you wearing right now? If you're like everyone else I've asked, you simply don't know. How could you? That's because until now, socks were made in one size fits all or just a couple of sizes to fit every size foot. But not at Kane 11. We make our socks in 11 individual sizes from 7 to 17. That's right, 7 to 17. Great looks and colors to fit everyone's lifestyle. From cotton to wool or anything in between, Kane 11's got the perfect sock for you. Better yarns, better quality, just a better sock. If you don't love them just like we do, send them back for a full refund. That's the Kane 11 promise. Once you wear a pair of Kane 11's, I guarantee you'll never go back to wearing socks in multi-size ranges again. Save 20% off your first order when you text SOCKS to 246810. That's text SOCKS. To 246810. Text SOX to 246810. I'm Andy Solomon. Rideshare platforms have evolved to provide riders with even better experiences. Sheriff John Wetzel, chairman of the National Sheriff's Association Traffic Safety Committee and former president of the International Association of Chiefs of Police, explains. Companies like Lyft are making rider safety a priority by continuously screening their drivers. Before getting into any car, riders should match the license plate, car model, and driver's name with what's shown in the app. During your ride, you can share your location and route with your family and friends. According to Wetzel, communities where Lyft is available have also seen lower rates of impaired driving and fatal crashes. For example, Miami-Dade police announced that there was a 65% decline in impaired driving arrests in 2017 compared to the four prior years, thanks in part to ride-sharing. Nationally, 71% of Lyft riders say they are less likely to drive while impaired because of the availability of ride-sharing services. For more information, visit Lyft.com. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Last time we checked, uh, Republicans and Democrats were fighting over a $2 trillion stimulus, mainly because the Democrats decided that this would be a good time to get some legislation through to help people who make solar panels. 
Uh, the Republicans are trying to get as much money to people who are out of work as possible, as quickly as possible. All this stuff is way above my pay grade, but Joel Griffith is a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation. He's an expert on this stuff. And, Joel, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks. Thank you for having me. So the, the Heritage Foundation released a statement uh, saying that the stimulus package has to be uh, three things, targeted, temporary, and directed exclusively at the coronavirus, and that this bill doesn't pass that test. Why doesn't it pass that test? Uh, because there's, there's a mix of positives in this, and there's a, also some, some negatives. And uh, maybe a little bit of good news to get started with a few of the positives. Uh, the positives being that it does uh, have, have some, an opponent tax component that would allow businesses to take current losses, apply it back to past profits, and basically get a tax refund on that. That's a good alternative to, uh, to, to industry-wide bailouts. Because at least for recognizing this is a tough time, this is a problem that's caused not just by the virus, but also by our government's response and our state and local government response. So we're going to help you out by doing that. Second of all, there is a component dealing with paid leave that would compensate businesses for providing paid leave during this period to employees. Um, we think uh, not in favor of, of, of broad mandates, but however, if they're going to have a mandate, or at least we're going to have the government pay for that, and it's temporary, it's limited, it's directed towards those with um, dealing through this crisis. But there's also a component of this that is, a, that is a directing hundreds of billions of dollars towards specific businesses, specific uh, sectors such as the, the airline industry. Um, and this is, a, uh, I think, at this point, it's unnecessary and it's dangerous. And it also has a provision that would allow the government to become a shareholder in these companies. Um, we've seen this before. Uh, about 10 years ago, during the financial crisis, when the federal government became part owners of, of uh, banks and auto companies, um, and there's not a need to repeat that r right now, we have a way to avoid that. And I have some other ideas for you as we go on. Yeah, um, so how, how could it be more targeted? Um, well, when it comes to the aid uh, for individuals, for instance, there's a big component of this that would basically distribute thousand dollar plus checks to tens of millions of people and i know a lot of us would not mind having an extra thousand dollars in our pocket but somebody like me and maybe you who's working remotely i don't need to have the government put a thousand dollars on a national credit card and put that in my pocket um i'm not the one who should be targeted here i'm working from my living room basically self-quarantined um but what we should be looking at is how do we get aid to those that are either laid off or going to be laid off. I mean, you've got entire entire cities in multiple states that are shut down. You can't work at the bar, the restaurant, the bowling alley, the nail salon. We should be looking at providing tax credits to those companies to keep these people on the payroll for 60 days, even if the business is shuttered. That can help those businesses from going bankrupt. It can help those employees who, through no fault of their own, aren't even allowed to go to work. And we can do that at a fraction of the cost of sending $1,000 checks to tens of millions of people. Um, that's what we should be uh, focused on. And when it comes to the, the, the cash crunch for businesses, there is no doubt. I mean, I've been talking to my family. My, my dad owns a small business. <laughs> you can't survive for months without being open a lot of these. They don't have that cash on hand. And that's how we think that um, if we're going to have any type of loans to businesses, it should be on the books. It shouldn't be uh, from the Federal Reserve just lending money to businesses. It should be transparent, put it out there, show us where these loans are going, and allowing companies to roll back these losses to prior tax years, that can be a good way to get cash in their pockets in a way that doesn't make the federal government um, equity holders of these companies and doesn't burden taxpayers for the cost of those funds over the longer term. So uh, explain, if you would, um, when you say tax credits, Oh, what, what do you mean by it? What, how would the tax credit work, and how would that be better than just sending me a check? That's a, that's a great question. Well, uh, for, for the companies, let's say that you work at a restaurant, and that restaurant is not operating right now. The city has said, we're on, we're, we're on, we're on a shutdown, and right. you've got 20 employees. Well, the government would go ahead and give the company a credit equal to 90 or even more, 90% of what that employee's wages are, and this would be done every few weeks to kind of time it with payroll, and they would give that in the form of pay to the employee over this limited amount of time to these employees that are uh, that are that are impacted. So it wouldn't be in the form of a loan, 
and you wouldn't have to actually lay off that person. And the, the goal would be that because this is not the typical type of recession, this is uh, caused by a virus, and we've had to shut businesses down for the time being, the goal would be that as we get back to normal and people are allowed to safely leave their homes and return to work and return to their recreation, that they'd still have that connection to that employer, and that we'd be able to get this economy rolling much more quickly than we would otherwise. And, you know, that $1,000 for somebody like me is working at home. I'm not, I shouldn't be the target, the target, uh, the target uh, audience, right, for this $1,000. Right. We need to be focused on those that suddenly they can't go to work. Um, that's who we need to be focused on. So if I, I'm, I'm working for a company and I'm making $1,000 a week and I can't work, and I'm 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 laid off. I mean, my my company's not it's just not operating. They get the company would get a nine hundred dollar tax credit, right? Um, uh, yeah, that is correct. Yeah, but how does that put money in my? So he continues to keep me on the payroll. That's how I keep getting yeah. paid. But, exactly. But where does the where does the where does my company get the money to give me my nine hundred bucks before they? In other words, a tax credit is nice. But he needs. He, where's he going to get the nine hundred bucks to pay me tomorrow? Well, I get paid yeah, every and Tuesday. And that's why it's, it's very it's very important that the the um, authorizing legislation has a component that allows these funds to be coming in every two weeks. That that is uh, that is vital to this. Okay, so the the government would give my company the money to pay me. Exactly. Instead of sending it to me. And yes. so you would be targeting companies that have had to lay people off and, and companies that don't want to go out of business because they're not bringing any money in. That's right. And, you know, with a lot of these, I think it was one of the banks did a, uh, uh, had, a, had a great chart filling all the different types of businesses and what the cash on hand is usually for these businesses. And most companies, most of these companies that employ so many people, um, they only have cash on hand lasting a few weeks. So that's why it's also important. This goes hand in hand too with what the good things the Federal Reserve has done to ensure that we continue to have liquidity in the credit marketplace, so the banks have the resources to continue to lend to solvent companies. Companies that um, they, they need some cash to get them through this. It's not that the company business model is now bust. It's just they need to make sure the credit continues to flow. And so we've seen the Federal Reserve on the other side take a lot of appropriate actions, ensuring that the banks are well equipped to deal with this crisis. Uh, Joel Griffith is. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Joel Griffith is our guest. He's a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Chuck Schumer said uh, in a tweet uh, from the beginning, Democrats have insisted on more money for our hospitals, our medical system, and our medical workers. From the beginning, Democrats have insisted that there be no bailouts without strict conditions that put people and workers first. These changes must be made. Is he right anywhere there? Well, well I. I <laughs> Um, when we're talking about the restrictions on hand, for instance, for, for the, the component that would deliver funds to companies to keep them going, I mean, we can have a good discussion about whether or not we should even be engaged in the bailout, but the, in these bailouts. But the fact is, they, the, the people um, that uh, Senator Schubert is talking about, they're trying to put permanent, permanent restrictions on some of these companies that would potentially be receiving government aid or government loans. You know, we can have that discussion about whether that loan should even be made. But they want to go ahead and basically, even after these companies have possibly repay this money, have these restrictions put in place that they would never be able to get themselves out from under. Not to mention the other pieces um, um, that, that those on the left are trying to put in here having to deal with, with climate change and collective bargaining. This is unrelated to the mission at hand, and they're trying to push through this left-wing agenda that we can have a discussion about that some other time. But now is not the time we're trying to push through a radical left-wing agenda. It should be playing politics with this. We need to get the job done and help direct aid in a target temporary manner to those that need it most, not play political football. And the Democrats keep singing their usual song about how too much money in this is going to companies instead of individuals. You seem to be saying that it should be going to companies in many cases instead of individuals. Well, I think that uh, there's a few ways that we can do this, but not go to the extreme that pieces of this legislation do. We shouldn't be bailing out particular, having legislation to bail out particular companies or industries. If we're going to go ahead and do these loans, you can do it through the Small Business Administration. This isn't a rare circumstance where these companies have been forced to shut down. But we need to be careful about these industry-wide um, bailouts. You know, when the, the airlines came to D.C. looking for um, help, 
initially they weren't even just asking for a loan. They were asking for grants to the tune of tens of billions of dollars. And, you know, the, the fact is with this, we're all going to be hurting economically. Uh, but they're trying to make it so that they can go ahead and be made completely whole and put that burden on the U.S. taxpayer. And I think we all intuitively know there's no way that we can just print enough money to make all of us completely unscathed from the situation. We have a, we have a serious problem where many of us can't go to work. We have factories that are shut down. There's going to be some pain. And I'm all for minimizing that and directing it in targeted ways to those that are most impacted, particularly those that are being laid off. But to go ahead and come to D.C. because you're the one that's most well-funded with the best lobbyists, and you're going to go ahead and try to make it so that everybody's going to make you perfectly whole, that's not fair. And I would go a step further and say, I don't know if that's even moral to be doing something like that. Conservatives, uh, libertarians, uh, well, some Republicans, have always been anti-stimulus. What makes this different for Republicans who are in favor of this, what's being discussed now, or variations of it? Um, I, you know, I think people are well-intended, but I don't think we're looking, I don't think they're looking at this properly. Um, we're talking about uh, going ahead and just giving, and this is people on the left and right, just want to give everybody cash. You've got some Republicans that want a thousand. You've got some people that have suggested thousands and thousands of dollars every month per person to this crisis. Um, well, this isn't a demand problem. Um, but actually, I should say this is both a demand and a supply problem that you can't just remedy by putting cash in people's pockets. And that's because look at the street in your local city. Chances are a lot of those bars, restaurants, businesses aren't open because they're not allowed to be open. And some of the supplies are going to start running maybe a little bit low because some of the factories aren't working. This is a virus problem. We need to contain it and we need to treat it so that we can actually get back to a semblance of normalcy so that we can actually go shop. We can go to the restaurant. We can go to work and we can produce things. That's what we need to be focused on. And delivering the aid in the meantime in a very targeted, temporary manner to those that are most impacted so we don't have people that get tossed out on the streets or that go belly up bankrupt needlessly. And this is different also, isn't it, because uh, from, from uh, the uh, Obama bailout, the Obama, the Bush-Obama bailout, um, because the, the economy had, had, was really strong a, a month ago. And it wasn't back in 2008-2009. That's right. We had structural problems back in 08-09 caused actually quite a bit by government actions inflating a housing bubble. Yep. Thankfully, coming into this, we were on a much better footing. I think it wasn't that long ago. We all remember record-long jobs growth, uh, great great economy, great market. And this, uh, this collapse that we've seen the last few weeks wasn't due because of that underlying weakness that we saw in the housing bust. This is because we had to very quickly shut things down to try to save lives. And I, I, I just wonder, i got about a minute left, um, how you feel about what, what do you, you know, if you can project uh, all of this to uh, the 1st of June, let's say, um, what do you see happening here? With, with, and, and, and what do you see being the final product that the, the Democrats and Republicans come up with here? Well, uh, I know I've talked about the $1,000 check. Yeah. Um, even though I think that's uh, not, not the best of policies right here, that's likely going to be a component, um, whether uh, Democrats or Republicans have the way that's going to go through. Um, but I think ultimately a lot of this is going to depend how it recovers and depend on how quickly this is contained, how quickly governors and mayors are able to go ahead and open up commerce once again, and whether or not we truly have enough of these testing kits and labs ready so that if this continues, that instead of shutting down entire segments of the economy, entire cities, we can focus on helping those who are most at risk. And in the meantime, the rest of us are going to be able to function and keep the economy humming along. And I'm hoping that's the direction in which we're moving. And everything I've been reading and watching coming out of uh, CDC with the Centers for Disease Control and National Institutes of Health, it seems as if they're now on the right track with this. Well, Joel, I appreciate you being on, and I really cleared it up for me. I, as I said, this stuff's way over my pay grade. That's why I like having you guys around, and appreciate you stopping by. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's Joel Griffith, Senior Fellow at the Heritage Foundation, making way too much sense. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. South Africa, Africa's most industrialized economy in a nation of 57 million 
will go into a nationwide lockdown for 21 days from Thursday to fight the spread of the coronavirus. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has left Afghanistan without saying whether he was able to broker an agreement between the country's squabbling political leaders. Pompeo was in Kabul on an urgent visit to try to move forward. A U.S. peace deal signed last month with the Taliban. He traveled thousands of miles despite a near-global travel shutdown because of the pandemic. Stocks falling about 3% on Wall Street as Congress hit another roadblock in talks to inject nearly $2 trillion into the coronavirus-weakened economy. The Dow fell 582 points today. The Nasdaq was off 18, and the S&P 500 dropped 67. This is SRN News. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health? Don't worry. SelectQuote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-880-7474. That's 1-800-880-7474. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-880-7474. Select quote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example of policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. If you're listening to this radio station right now, you're being inundated with information about the coronavirus pandemic. Some of this information is alarming. You need to know now how to protect your family. Every host on this station is here to help. We're here to keep you informed, keep you calm, and most of all, keep you safe. Yeah, there are lots of places to go for information. But there's one place you can always trust. This is it. And we'll never be in lockdown. AM 1250, The Answer. The U.S. is projected to add 10 million jobs over the next five years. But will today's high school students be ready for the jobs of tomorrow? The future of our country is in high school, and politicians are deciding the future right now. Text FUTURE to 225568 to learn more from XQ. Message and data rates may apply. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years' experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. The Allegheny Institute's research, education, and advocacy have steadfastly worked to defend taxpayers and businesses against the inefficiency and intrusiveness of ever-expanding, burdensome government since 1995. And this year, Greater Pittsburgh's trusted source for sound public policy analysis is celebrating its 25th anniversary. Join the fight today by making your tax-deductible contribution at AlleghenyInstitute.org. That's AlleghenyInstitute.org. AM 1250 and FM 92.5, The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on The Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got The Answer. In the East Hills area, an accident, Robinson Boulevard at Sunrise Avenue. Parkway North, HOV lanes remain closed till further notice. Prospect Road and Baldwin landslide activity has it shut down between Barrel Drive and Streets Run Road. Kennywood Park, there's a food bank distribution in their parking lot till 6. Might see some volume around there. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Leftover drizzle this evening, otherwise plenty of clouds tonight, low 34. Some sun in the morning tomorrow, followed by clouds, high 52. 
Rain tomorrow night, low 41. Rain in the morning on Wednesday. Otherwise, turning out mostly cloudy, high 51. Thursday, some sunshine, high Thursday, 64. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Lots of sports teams are losing lots of money during the Wuhan virus fiasco. But there is one sport that's doing better than before the virus showed up. It's horse racing. Neil Greenberg wrote about it today in the Washington Post, and he joins us now. Neil, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So how are racetracks benefiting from this pandemic? Well, they're, uh, they're one of the few uh, betting interests left in the country. Um, unless you're looking to bet on, you know, obscure soccer matches or marbles. Um, the sport of horse racing is uh, really the the last one standing so far. Um, there are some tracks that have closed, most recently Laurel, um, but there are other tracks that are open. Uh, the fairgrounds in New Orleans just ran their Kentucky Derby prep race, despite the Kentucky Derby being pushed back. Um, so they um, they ran the Louisiana Derby on Saturday, and uh, it looks like Gulfstream is going to run the uh, the Florida Derby on this upcoming Saturday. So, um, you know, it's soaking up some of the money that uh, perhaps would go elsewhere in uh, sports betting. I wouldn't say that it's a huge boon, but uh, it's certainly uh, certainly getting some of the, uh, the wagering dollars that are out there. So what kind of money are we talking about here? Well, I'm, you know, it really depends. Um, you know, overall, um, on this, uh, this past Saturday, there was about uh, $43 million wagered. Um, so that's a, a pretty decent handle um, for a Saturday. Now, the week before, it was about um, $58 million total among all the, the, the racetracks that are, that are out there around the country. Um, so it's the ones that could stay open uh, because betting on horse racing has been made easier via online, via apps. Um, you know, when one when one track closes, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, all the money that was being put there is going to be cut off. They do have other options, both domestically and abroad, to uh, to bet on the horses. Yeah, and they do- they obviously don't need fans in the stands to make money in a racetrack. Yeah, I mean, the way the horse racing works is they get a percentage for every every bet. So it, the percentage could could uh, vary between, you know, twelve to fifteen percent for a win bet to twenty percent for an exotic bet like an exacta. Um, so to them, it's just they just want as much money flowing through as possible because um, they get their cut off the top. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's still there's still some some venues out there that are going to be open for business um, and making some money. And they uh, had had the legalization of betting on all sports uh, hurt horse racing to this point. Were they suffering uh, some losses with with uh, people having easy access to betting on football and baseball and all the other sports? Yeah, I mean, horse racing has been um, been on the decline for some years. So the the legalization of sports betting um, over a number of states uh, certainly accelerated that. Um, and we're seeing not only horse tracks taking in less money, but they're running fewer horses, they're running fewer races. Um, so even when you adjust for that, it's still um, on the downslope. And, you know, we've seen um, some tracks lose money um, and adjust some of the purses. So, for example, the um, the horse race that's supposed to be run this weekend, the Florida Derby is usually a million-dollar purse. Um, overall, that's going to be reduced to about 750000 Um Some of the other purses for the stage races on the card are also going to be reduced. Um, so, you know, this isn't, uh, it's not a complete windfall where everything's rosy. It's, um, you know, they're, they're trying to do the best that they can um, in terms of wagering and uh, making sure that they have full field so that they can run these races. We're talking to Neil Greenberg, uh, Washington Post sports writer. A uh, piece about horse racing and how it's benefiting from uh, everybody being shut down uh, because they're still open with no fans, though, at, uh, at no human beings at the track. But, uh, Neil, what about the, the health risks for the people who are working at the track? There still have to be people taking care of the horses, uh, trainers, those kinds of people. Yeah, that's a very real threat. Um, there's a lot that goes into maintaining a, a horse track. Um, the horses have to be exercised, they have to be fed, you need veterinarians, 
you need uh, riders to exercise the horses, um, and they're 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 certainly at risk, right? We know anybody that's in any sort of group um, is going to be at risk. Uh, that's why a lot of these uh, racetracks have been have been shuttering uh, for at least 30 days, if not more. Um, there are some track employees who who spoke and and were very uneasy about what's happening. Um, one jockey um, that races in in the Gulfstream area went onto Twitter and said that um, you know he stopped racing because of uh, concerns, and he was hoping there wasn't any backlash from the the owners and trainers because you know they're the ones that decide who, which jockey rides which horse. Um, and he was a little bit worried uh, about putting his family and, and himself first. Um, so that's really the predicament that they're in, right? I mean, you have these people that, you know, are obviously at risk, um, need the money, want the money, and um, have a very difficult choice to make for a track that's that's kept open. Yeah, and you, you mentioned in your piece uh, uh, that um, these pe- a lot of these guys are from Latin America. They live in a dorm together, dorm room, and they're... There are a lot of people who are getting a lot closer than six feet apart down there. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, you're in, you know, the stalls that I'm not even sure are, are, are six feet apart. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you just have a lot of people walking around. Um, I know the media was allowed at some of these racetracks as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it becomes very difficult. I mean, if you think about just, you know, two people working on a horse or a veterinarian and an assistant working on the horse or a trainer and a groomer or trainer and jockey. I mean, you know, those are still human interactions. And, and every time we have one of those, it puts, you know, somebody at risk of, um, you know, getting infected. So, yeah, I mean, we're in a very precarious position here. And I think, you know, from a wagering standpoint, it's great that some of these horse tracks are open, but you know, you do have to look at the human side at some point, and uh, you know, if you're going to be advocating social distancing, advocating people, you know, not be in groups, then you have to take a long look at the enterprise, and you know, ask yourself as if it's going to be worth it. Uh, what's interesting to me, I don't know if you're are you aware of the story that uh, uh, Robert Klemko wrote for the Post? Uh, I think it was last week. Uh, yeah, about the cheating scandal. Yeah, the cheating and the steroids and uh, the way the horses are treated and discarded. Um, I get the feeling that there's the, the the horse racing industry has its share of not very nice people. So uh, I don't know how well I'd expect the humans to be being treated in this in this situation. You know that's a great that's a great point. I mean, there's always been um, allegations of doping, and you know we saw, of course, the uh, the high mortality rate of horses running at Santa Anita last year. Um, so yeah, I mean this this horse this this uh, industry has always had. Uh, bad stigmas attached to it, um, and you're right. I mean, there there are some that have no regard for for living creatures, whether that's uh, equine or human. And um, you know, you got uh, other people that you know hopefully are going to pay um, a dear price for it by either being banned from the sport or um, you know other um, you know other consequences. Um, but um, you know, we've seen. You know, we've seen doping in horses before. There's been, uh, gosh, Andy, Andrew Beyer, who uh, used to write for the Washington Post um, and cover horse racing, has been ringing this bell for for years that, um, you know, there were, were people in the industry that were uh, using using drugs to enhance performance. And, um, you know, the fact that it's now coming to light um, is probably good for the sport. Uh, but it's, it's good for the sport, but it also... Um, illuminates uh, a dark underbelly of the sport as well. Yeah, and I've become um, uh, in favor of just um, eliminating the idea of horse racing. Uh, since just not not the story by uh, your guy at the Post, but just not just that one, but m- several that I've seen over the last couple of years, um, I think it might be time to think about maybe it's not a good idea. Yeah, you're certainly not alone. I mean, that sentiment has been growing. And, you know, we talked about sports betting um, eating into the the horse racing industry, but certainly public perception um, has done the most damage. It's a, you know, it's a a wagering opportunity that's not... um, that's not well uh, populated by younger people. Right. So, you know, once the, the older generation starts to phase out, 
um, you know, there's, there's not going to be too many new customers that, that are going to be uh, looking to waltz through the turnstiles or to, to jump on the apps to, to make wagers. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's the best way anybody that uh, disagrees with the sport can uh, voice their opinion, right? Not provide any sort of monetary, um, monetary sustenance for them in any way. Um, and like I said, you're certainly not alone. Um, and I think that that type of groundswell is only going to get greater um, as the years go on. Yeah, uh, Neil, I appreciate you being on, uh, and um, I uh, hope you're doing well through this uh, pandemic. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm guessing you're working from home right now. <laughs> yeah, we've been uh, mandatory work from home for a couple weeks. Yeah, um, I started a week early. My my wife and kid had the flu, so we just uh, played it safe and stayed home. But yeah. uh, we're doing fine otherwise. I hope you are too. And um, you know, hopefully we get back to uh, sports as normal um, as soon as possible. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Thanks. Hang in there. Appreciate it. Thanks. You too. Thanks a lot. All right. That's Neil Greenberg, and we'll be right back. They blow into town with the wind, rain, and hail. And out-of-town storm chasers going door-to-door, often posing as a local company, offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roof siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Mention STAG for an additional 10% off. Windows R Us, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday on the John Steigerwald Show. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to BambooHR.com slash HR. This is a limited offer, only available to radio listeners at BambooHR.com slash HR. That's BambooHR.com slash HR. I'm doing all the right things, drinking plenty of water, eating right, exercising. But month after month, my constipation with belly pain, straining, and bloating keep coming back. Irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC, affects 13 million Americans. Linzess, linaclotide, is a prescription medication that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess helps relieve belly pain and lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor and learn more at linzess.com. That's L-I-N-Z-E-S-S dot com. Or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Allergan Pharmaceuticals and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950. Thanks to Genesis 950, I can have guests in my home without the shame of pet stains and odors. Genesis 950 with water breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they're gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet odors from carpet and padding. All pet owners should have Genesis 950 on hand. I can even use it in my carpet cleaning machine. And it's green, so it's safe for my family and pets. Before you purchase new carpets, you must try Genesis 
Genesis 950. It's made in America. One gallon of industrial strength Genesis 950 makes up to seven gallons of cleaner. But Genesis 950 is not just for pet stains. It's great for floors, bathrooms, kitchens, garages, oil and grease stains, wheels, tires, degreasing engines, and upholstery. It's available on Amazon. However, if you order a gallon direct at Genesis950.com, you'll receive a free spray bottle and discount using code SALEM. That's Genesis950.com. Genesis950.com. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Our annual Food for the Poor campaign is underway to raise money for children suffering from poverty in the Caribbean and Latin America. We've partnered with Food for the Poor to provide food and clean water to several thousand children in Guatemala this spring. What are the children eating today? Only tomatoes with uh, tortilla. Are they still hungry? Right now, they are hungry. They want food, and we don't have money enough to get to that whole week. How does it make her feel when she can't feed her children? Sometimes I get in my room by myself and I cry. I wonder how can I make their life better and have more money in order to give them food. I don't want my sons and my daughters to suffer. And that was Paul Jacobs of Food for the Poor, and he joins us now. Paul, so uh, I, I, good to have you back here. Last uh, year we, we talked to you, you were working in Haiti, and all the great things you did down there. So now you're in Guatemala. Uh, what, what differences have you seen maybe in Guatemala, better, worse than Haiti? And you know, how, have you, how are you attacking that compared to how you attack things in Haiti? You know, it's interesting. Uh, first of all, it's the work of your listeners that mm-hmm. made the progress in Haiti bringing emergency food relief, bringing water to communities that have been just completely decimated by a crisis, a food crisis, a weather crisis, political crisis. And now we've turned our attention to Guatemala. For more than almost 10 years, I've been traveling back and forth to Guatemala. And when you ask what I've seen is a difference, I've seen the difference where Food for the Poor ministry partners and our listeners who resource those ministry partners are working right now. Mm -hmm. Communities like La Culebra, This is a community of 100 families, and half of those families live so far out from any type of what we would call city city centers or modern civilization. It is literally, they call it La Culebra because it means the viper. It's a very winding roads, one-lane roads, very dangerous trek in and out of there. And then these mothers, families, are forced to come in and out of there where they live to find work, to find clean, safe water, which is non-existent. They get it from a municipal source. The pipes are rotten and the children have to drink this water and they're getting sick regularly. And so we are working in this community and we've already got community leaders that have helped us identify the most critical cases, the most critical families. We met several of them on our trip just a few weeks ago. And I'm telling you, with your listeners' help, with you listening right now, just saying, hey, I want to step into the life of a family, a mother, a father, a, a, a family that desperately needs just a hand up. Um, they can get the water and the food that they need to survive. There are two ways that you can give your gift to food for the poor. Call 844-868-4673 or Give online at foodforthepoor.com slash Guatemala crisis. $80 provides food for a year and water for life for one child. $160 provides food for a year and water for life for two children. $320 or $27 per month provides food for a year and water for life for one family. $640 or $54 a month provides food for a year and water for life for two families. Any size gift will make a difference in the lives of poor families in Guatemala. Paul, so uh, explain how you can provide water for life for a child for 80 bucks yeah, for, for his life. Yeah, it's interesting because when we sat back and thought about it, we, we really did say this is water for life. When our ministry partner works with us in a community, they basically either, based on the topography or the geography of the community, we install either a water well or a water purification unit. That water purification unit alone provides 10,000 gallons of clean, pristine water every single day. As long as those families are living in that community, that water well, that water purification unit is maintained and it is pumping clean, safe water for those families. Water for life. Wow. And this is, uh, this is uh, for someone who might have to, before that purification system goes in there, 
would be walking three or four hours to get buckets of water and then walk back somehow, get back with those buckets of water and not be sure that that was even good enough for their kids to drink. Yeah, Placida was one of the moms in the exact situation that you just described, mm-hmm. walking hours to get water from a standing pipe. That water is miles away at its source, but the piping is rotten. The The source of the water is polluted. And when we met her children, and I noticed that the five-year-old girl, the older of the two children, five and three, the five-year-old had this pot belly. Mm-hmm. And when she said the children don't eat every day, I thought, how could she have such a big belly and not eat every day? And she just plainly said, it's because the water. There is parasites and waterborne um, uh, parasites in the water that is causing that bloating, and she gets sick often. The Both of the children get sick often, and we want to stop that. We need your help to stop that immediately. For a limited time only, if you are a business owner and you want to partner with AM 1250 The Answer to support food for the poor, we'd like to offer you a unique marketing opportunity. If you make a donation of $1,200 to Food for the Poor, The Answer Pittsburgh will provide your business with 40 60-second commercials that you may use to promote your business. We'll write and produce these commercials at no cost to you. As a business benefactor, you'll enjoy the benefits of marketing your business to the AM 1250 The Answer audience while also supporting the great work being done by Food for the Poor. To become an Answer business benefactor and take advantage of this limited time offer, please contact General Sales Manager Mike Howard at 412-503-4761. That's 412-503-4761. Note to businesses, your gift is tax deductible. Paul Jacobs, Food for the Poor, uh, good luck with uh, this campaign, and we'll do whatever we can to help out, and I think our listeners will come through. Paul, thanks, and good luck. Thank you. Yeah, and you get a little idea of what it's like there in Guatemala when you think about what we're going through here. Think about having to walk a couple of miles just to get water that you can drink and used to bathe. That's what they're dealing with down there. And your contributions can directly affect that and change their lives big time. Meanwhile, tomorrow at uh, 5.15, we will have Tim Murtaugh. Uh, that, he is Danny Murtaugh's grandson, but also the communications director for the Donald Trump re-election campaign. He's going to be here every other Tuesday from now, we hope, until November. Hope you'll be here, too. Thanks for listening today. See you tomorrow. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group.